Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, it's so good to be here. Let your word dwell in our midst today as we continue, Lord, to look at your story. In your name we pray, amen. I was sitting in my dad's pickup truck and I was pouting. I, my, you, my family will tell you my bottom lip goes out when I pout. You probably can't see that from that distance. I was pouting because my dad would not buy me a G.I. Joe. I said, well, why do you work if you can't afford to buy me a G.I. Joe? I really said that. I'll never forget his answer. You like to eat, right? You like to have clothes to wear? You like to have a house to live in? That's why I work. That's what mom and dads do. They seek to provide for their family. My dad was serious about that. Because he grew up, that wasn't always the case in his household. He was he had six brothers and sisters. And the truth is, and I never knew my grandfather, that his dad, many weeks, drank away his paycheck in the local bar in Bensonville. Not my dad, not my mom, they worked hard. I don't ever remember that my sisters or I ever worried that we wouldn't have a house to live in or clothes to wear or there wouldn't be dinner that night. In fact, they did such a good job that the biggest thing I had to complain about was that he didn't get me a G.I. Joe. Fathers and mothers provide. And in so doing, they give us a picture of our God. Our God provides. You know, that's kind of the next, not kind of, it is the next theme. The next part of the story of God that we're looking at. It's in Genesis 2, it really outlines for us God's provision. And we're going to spend a little time looking at, at some of what God provides. And the first thing, God provides this world as a home to enjoy. You know, in the, in the reading today, it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. This is a lesson in understanding that the small words are important. The word to put means to settle. He settled him. He, he made the garden, he made this world a home for the man. Wow. I, I love going home at the end of the day. In fact, I usually send Linda text. I'm on the way. No matter what time of the day it is. Because home is kind of a, a refuge. It's a place away from stress 
and worry and work. It's a place where the people love me and I love them. It's one of the reasons why during COVID-19, as it came into the end of May, I was anxious to come and work here so work wasn't something I did at home. So that home was home. In fact, Linda's working on me pretty hard to get me to, to set down my phone at night and not look at it too much. Well, God gave us this world to be home. And I love what he calls the garden. He calls it Eden. Eden means paradise. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? means delight or bliss. It tells us something about God's intention. He desires that we enjoy the world. And so I'm, I'm going to alleviate some guilt for you, except for about an hour on Sunday morning, when you're out in the world, <laughs> when you're going for a walk, when you take a swim, when you go camping with your family, when you're out, Tommy, and you're grilling and smoking out there outside, when you stand beside the, the, the Grand Canyon and you go, wow, you are honoring God because he gave us this world to enjoy. He also, God also provides us with purpose. You know, a lot of people say, why am I here? What's my purpose? You know, it's really, if you read the scripture, not too difficult a question. God answers the question in the very first chapter as he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's our purpose. In the passage we were looking at from chapter 2, verse 15, he put us in the garden to work it and keep it. God has given us a role to play. All the different roles in our lives, the, the positions, the callings, whether it's a parent or, or in our occupations or, or whatever they are, you know that, you all know what the oldest profession in the world is, right? You're wrong, whatever you're thinking. It's not even farming. Oh, that's pretty close. It's being a steward. Did you know that? God puts us in all our various roles as parents, as workers, whatever we do in life, to be stewards, to work and to care for his earth, and to do that as a way of loving him and of serving each other. When you guys wear the mask coming in and out, you are being stewards. You're caring for other people. Now, folks, I want you to, I read something this week in a book called God at Work. It's by a man named Gene Edward Veith. He, he's a Lutheran guy. He used to teach at Mequon at Concordia, Wisconsin. I love this. He said, God healed me. I wasn't feeling well, so I went to the doctor. The nurse ran some tests. The lab technicians identified the problem. So the doctor wrote me a prescription. I got it filled at the pharmacist. And in no time, I was a lot better. But it was still God who healed me. God talked to me. 
The pastor or the lay minister was reading God's word. In the sermon, he proclaimed the gospel. God got through to me through the vocation of the pastor. God fed me, not with manna, but with what the teenager working at the fast food joint gave me. God clothed me and sheltered me with the help of my employer. God protected me, though I wish the highway patrolman hadn't pulled me over. See, in all our roles, God gives us a purpose to serve one another, and he works through us whatever role it is that you happen to be playing at that moment. He has given us purpose. God provides daily bread. Now, that's a, we know that as Lutherans. That's a big term. We know that because we learned it when we learned the small catechism, didn't we? And we, we were studying the Lord's Prayer. And, and Luther asked, what is daily bread? And, well, here's the answer. Daily bread includes everything, basically. Everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, goods, a devout husband or wife, devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. In other words, etc., etc., etc. There's a longer list than what's up there, isn't there? God started giving that right here in chapter 2. It says in the text, the Lord God, and when you see that capital letter L-O-R-D, that means Yahweh God, commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden. He doesn't want us to forget that. In fact, when Israel was going into the promised land, he made sure to remind them not to forget. Listen to his his words. He says, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have got me this wealth. You shall remember Yahweh, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. God provides daily bread. Now the next one is one sometimes we don't think of as a gift, but it is. God provides boundaries. What do I mean? Well, how do you, you want to know the best way to show a child that you love them? Create rules for their safety and then stick to them. You were showing your child, your little child, you loved them when you said, don't cross the street by yourself. And when they got older, you said, look both ways before you cross the street. When you said, you got to eat your vegetables, you can't leave the table, you were showing love for your child. No, you can't talk back to your mom. Right? Don't talk to strangers. You were showing love. You were setting boundaries. And not only when you set boundaries for them, but when you set boundaries for you with them. When you say, ah, it's your room. It's your job to clean it up, but it's your room. I'll respect you. And then you respect their privacy. And when you don't yell and scream at them, but treat them with respect, 
Dads, when you treat your daughter the way a man ought to treat his daughter, you're teaching them to expect that boys will treat them that way. By respecting their boundaries, you're helping prepare them for life, aren't you? Well, in the text, God gave Adam and Eve, and he gave us boundaries. He said, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. What? Now, I want you to notice, well, didn't God just set it up for a failure? They didn't, I want you to notice something. They were so innocent at this point, so free of sin, they never thought to even disobey that till somebody from the outside suggested it. That's how perfect they were. But God was saying to them, and he was setting up a boundary that still holds today, he's saying, when it comes to good and evil, when it comes to right and wrong, deciding that is none of your business. That's God's job. He's saying, that's my job. And when you try to do my job, you can't handle it. And so when you try to do my job, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to have problems. So he set that boundary to protect us. And we're going to see next week just how much trouble we got into when we crossed that boundary. In fact, I'm pretty sure we'll all see during the week this week just how much trouble we get ourselves into every time we try to do God's job. Right? God provides boundaries because he loves us. God also provides community. You know, in, in the first two chapters, in the part before the fall and the sin, there's only one time when God looks at anything that he says, he's made, and he says it's not good. He says, he looks at the man, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. And so then what happens? God caused the deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And in that moment, God created relationships. He created community. He created marriage and family and friendship and all of it. Now, now don't get me wrong. God is not saying that everybody has to get married. It didn't say it's not good that man is not married. It didn't say that. He says it's not good for man to be alone. Marriage is just one of the ways in which he brings, one of the great ways, the most intimate way in which he brings companionship into our lives. But he gives us each other because it is God's intention that we not be able to make it on our own. It is God's intention that you and I need each other, that we need friends and we need co-workers. And, you know, this would be quite a boring service if you didn't have anybody operating the sound. And, boy, not having a bulletin would be a lot harder if we didn't have somebody doing the slide. And you get pretty bored listening to me without the people doing the music and reading scripture and ushering. God has designed it so that 
You need me and I need you. Think back to that whole thing, that, that reading from Veith before, right? I need the doctors, the nurses, the pharmacists. I need the guy at the fast food restaurant. I need the policeman. And they need me. Do you see how serious God is about providing? He's so serious that he didn't stop with Genesis 2. When man fell into sin, God did not stop providing. When we decided we could do his job better than he could and turned our back and went our own way, he didn't turn his back. In fact, he's so serious, so serious that we not be alone, that he finally came himself and took on flesh and blood. God providing is an essential part of the story of God every day. And his love, he provided for you and me the ultimate gift, a Savior, Jesus. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that by his death, by his resurrection, by baptism, you and I might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. And why does God do all of that for us? Well, we learned that in the catechism too, didn't we? All this he does out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me for all which it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.